Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast, the final DNVR Avalanche podcast of 2020. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley to talk about the year that was, to look at the year ahead, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We'll start off with a little bit of news. Uh, PLD and Vince Dunn, both signing bridge deals on the last day of the year. They can get into their training camps and get things done here. Bridge deals. They uh they seem to be popular at the moment. They're back, baby. <laughs> Everybody waiting to uh see what happens with the salary cap, I guess. Really? Um, I think that's that's honestly, I think that's a huge part of it. Yep. Definitely. Um if there was if there was um, cost certainty economically and everybody thought that the cap would just continue to to pop up a couple mil every year going on and on would be fine you know ever these guys would probably PLD especially he would probably have a six or seven year deal in his hand right now Vince Dunn would probably have like a two or three year deal but yeah I you know. I would think so certainly PLD with cap certainty you would expect columbus to try and get that guy on a long-term deal but you never know what's going to happen at this point in the season which is to say training camps are five days away a lot of teams are just trying to get deals done i imagine at least with the bigger name guys yeah absolutely we always say deadlines for action we're talking this is it these guys got to get these deals done um Cool, cool to see it happen. I was kind of surprised at the uh, Vince Dunn number. Yeah, definitely uh, <laughs> just, interesting. <laughs> yeah, for that guy to get one eight seven five and Ryan Graves to get three point one, I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we can uh, we can talk about Vince Dunn and and the Avs and Blues and all of that. All day, every day next year, if we so desire. What I wanted to do first was look back at the year that was. And exactly one year ago, AJ, you posted an article with your predictions for 2020. Uh, Of course, this was about two, three months before, you know, the entire world shut down. So things were a little bit different, but you did pretty well. I'm looking through these, and you, your predictions were pretty solid, not knowing what was to come. Uh, your first couple were, were right on the money. Avs host a playoff series, and the Avs win at least one playoff round again. Yeah. Those ones those ones felt pretty easy to acquire, I think, though. Yeah. Um, it's, you know. You write an article with 20 predictions. Trust me, it's harder than you think to come up with 20 of those things. I believe it. Because um, it's like, oh, and if I'm not going to go player by player, then what am I going to predict here? Then you, you you do split a little bit as well. <clears throat> you you nailed McKinnon not winning the Hart Trophy. Yeah. But you still thought he'd get the 100-point season. And the universe was not going to have any of that making doubly sure by having the, not only the league shut down, but him get hurt right before the league shuts down. So yeah, 
will McKinnon ever reach that 100-point mark, I suppose, is the question, which we talked about the other day. We think there's a possibility he could do that in this 56-game season. So he's he's, he's riding that he's prediction done, hard. Man. There you go. Prediction it's for happening, next, happening this coming year. season. Just copy and paste that one. Yeah, I should write the 21 predictions for 2021. I forgot I wrote this until this morning. You're going to keep that trend? We're going to get to 2099, and old man AJ is going to be like, 99 predictions! <laughs> nope. Well, how many is too the many? Next, the next generation of apps writers will have uh, made their voices heard by then. There you go. Someone else can write 99 predictions. That's right. <laughs> no interest. Neither of your goaltending predictions seemingly really came true with you saying Grubauer will solidify the goaltending job and Francois will be gone after the season. Yep. So the Francois one, they, they, it was like, they read that and they were like, Oh yeah. Keep it forever. It wasn't, it wasn't too much longer after that, that uh, he signed his deal. Yep. Just to prove AJ wrong. Confirmed. February 21st. He signed that deal. (laughs) <laughs> Less than two months. Yeah. However, you did come back with career highs. Dot the Avalanche roster. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that hard to predict some of them on Andre Burakovsky, but when you're also getting career high years out of Peb, Ryan Graves, Sam Gerard, obviously you got Kale McCarr in there as well. But that one was a freebie. Yep, that was the free space in the bingo square. And it's interesting because I think this would be a hard one to put as a prediction for 2021. Not Kale McCarr. I think we all expect Kale McCarr to do special things. But for that many players to continue to have career highs. Yeah, um, and even for McCarr, too, like, right? Uh, he would have to repeat the year he had last year. Yep. He had 50 points in 57 games. I have to do it again. Yep. Yeah, he's got to do it again. So, you know, we'll see. So, just kind of kind of comparing our predictions to where we feel about the team right now. We'll get into the coming year in a little bit here. Joe yeah. Sackick did not win GM of the year, but arguably – robbed of such awards. The fact that he wasn't even in the final three is a travesty to humanity. Um, Yeah, that's all I got to say about that one. Shane Bowers did not finish the season with the Avs, and Vlad Kamenev did not leave Colorado, but he did leave Colorado immediately after the season. So that one was yeah. ballpark. It, yeah, I mean, I does not finish the season in Colorado. He wasn't on their bubble roster so i felt like i got half a point is that, that. Is that sort of count yeah <laughs> it felt like half a point but i in no way was correct about how it happened obviously were, i was not predicting a pandemic there were also like stories of a handshake deal of him going to russia in like the middle of the playoffs so yeah yeah maybe maybe worth some pointage there not sure how much but the abs of course did make a deadline deal for vlad Nemesnikov. And Bowen Byram did not make his NHL preview. So two in a row for AJ there. They did not move 
they didn't make a series of move to solve their defensive blue line glut. I would say they did end up moving Zadorov over the off season. I actually got every one of these correct. If you look at my individual predictions, um, Barbario and Kanaten were allowed to leave in free agency. They traded Zadorov. Uh, Cole stays, and Ryan Graves got a three-year deal. I nailed that one. All right, nailed it. I was wrong on the AAB, but I nailed that one. Nailed all of his choices, and now he gets to be hype about Devon Taves as well. So, yeah, did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah i I think it would Easily. be tough to deny him at that point, Henry. Yeah, over over the course of a regular season, how many points is that? I mean, it's got to be. 130 point pace or something yeah. like insane. 146. Okay, so, yeah. That's you're talking gross. about like Mario Lemieux levels of points at that point. Yeah, the, the hard part, of course, like it, it's funny because it's like you know, over 56 games, I could see it. Um, a world class player just gets obscenely hot. The hard part is keeping it up over 82 games, right? Yep. So Those maybe a couple months. Maybe that's it. Maybe this is their this is the abs as they were in two thousand one where they came in with a super focused mindset and they just wail on the entire league and McKinnon goes banana pants. No breaks on this train. Yeah. Straight up. Landeskog has not yet signed his new deal. Uh but you know what? That I think there's still a decent possibility that that happens in the next couple of weeks. It's certainly going to be a story that we watch uh, moving forward. Yep. And I guarantee you, if that deal is not signed, his first media availability is getting asked about. For sure. Uh, The Evs did have a first-round draft pick in Justin Barron, of course. Um, Whoops. I, I don't think you're too sad about that one. But Kale McCarr has not signed his extension. You got that one correct. Yep. And uh, obviously, Nachushkin correct as well, given that he signed a $2.5 million extension with the Avs. So Yeah, for two years. Certainly, uh, certainly, we're on the right track for how the Avs were shaping themselves, to say the least. Uh, the last couple Avs bench these changes did not happen. All coaches have remained. But Ananen, he's continued to be very good. I, I don't know if I'd say he's continued his meteoric rise to, per se. but Yeah, I kind of get half credit for that one because in there I said that the Avs signed him to his ELC, which they Fair didn't. enough. Fair enough. But that and was then, I was wrong about everything else with that. And then this one might be super easy to have gotten correct, but Kale McCarr becoming the newest sweetheart superstar in Colorado was definitely true. <laughs> Everybody loves Kale. Look at, I even got my all hail Kale shirt on. Look at that. So tell you most of our, most of our uh, listeners have those on when they listen and watch in as well. You should, if you don't, that's all I'm saying. All right. Or at least like, if you don't have this one, go get the, uh, the head of Kale hockey player one, because that oh, one's yeah. dope as well. Yeah, I, you know, it sucks that we were pandemic when we dropped that one because I don't get to see it anywhere. Yeah, right. I, that one and the uh, the carry me home shirt both. Oh, I know. 
apparently both super popular, but can't leave my house. So yeah, right. <laughs> soon we'll enough, never, we'll never know. Soon enough, we will be able to get together and and take a look at all of the amazing DNVR merch. We do have to take our first period break there to let you guys know about WGT Golf, the golf game loved by more than 20 million people around the world. We have four different clubhouses on there. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download the game and then search for DNVR4 to join our fourth clubhouse. And you can get on a bunch of awesome action, including weekend tournaments where you give a chance to win free stuff and a bunch of other things as well. You can challenge anyone at just about any time on true to life courses. It's a total blast. Come have some fun with us. Of course, there is also one of our newest sponsors, Hassle Cattle Company, who makes just amazing meat. I, I've i had their Wagyu burgers, and they're actually, like, ridiculously good. They just straight up melt in my mouth, and I don't know how they do it. I don't understand the science behind meat, but you got to get in on it. You got to give it a try yourself. If you haven't tried it yet, this stuff is just, mwah, it's damn good Beef, Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the USA and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. So check out Hassle Cattle Company today. They have a bunch of different Wagyu options, including smoked sausage, New York Strip, beef, bacon, Uh, Wagyu Frank, two jerky flavors, both sweet and spicy, as well as original. And, you know, their hamburger I was just talking about, one Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. So it's not just me. It's pretty good stuff. Be sure to check it out. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook app out there with Ruto and AJ. So, AJ... That was your predictions for the last year. You got quite a few of them right, but at least for me, some of the favorite parts of my season last year were the parts that you can't predict. The unknowns. And it it was a pretty darn fun season covering the Avs. Top to bottom. Yeah. Any, uh, Any particular memories that stand out for you? I think I'll always remember I'll always remember the Rangers game. The last yeah. game at Pepsi Center where the place was going bananas. Um we sat down. I walked in the arena and the sports world was still trying to figure it out when it came to COVID. And by the time I had gotten through security and sat down and set up my laptop, the NBA season had been canceled. And we know within a week, the rest of the sports world shut everything down. And everybody knew that that was it. That night, we weren't coming back. We weren't going to see anybody. We were about to push pause on a season. (laughs) Right near the end of it, like just as things were getting good. Uh, And it was a great game. You know, the Avs were without without Nate McKinnon and JT Comfer, number number one center. (laughs) <laughs> yep. You know, they they got outplayed by that Rangers team that night. Um, they should have lost, honestly. 
A great toe save by Pablo Francois on Capo Cacao. Uh, multiple posts, including one in overtime. Yeah. And then the the tip that was or wasn't. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> on the Kale McCarr shot, where if you watch the replay, it, it honestly looks like it hits the goaltender's glove and not converse stick and they yeah. just never they never went back and changed it um they did review it they never changed it though and i just remember what a weird night that was it, the weirdest vibe i've ever felt in an arena uh, the players afterward you know that nemesnikov talked about it and said we were told before the game that this is probably going to be it yep and it was yeah for months and, and months and months just a weird feeling for everybody involved. And that night, I think I'll remember that night forever. Just the, the end of that. And then the other the other big memory that I have, first game back, Nazem Kadri, 0.1 seconds yeah. on the clock. Insanity. I mean, we were, that was our first game uh, at, the, at bar. the bar. Yep. And we were sitting upstairs and it was funny because uh, we had like all of the DNBR employees were there, yep. and everybody was excited and freaking out and cheering when it happened. And you and I were both just standing there, like that might have been at zero. Yeah, there is no time left on that yeah. clock. Like, and so we were we were waiting it out and waiting it out, and it was like. <laughs> And there's then we a, got to be excited. There was a lot of faith in that room, and it wasn't coming from AJ and I. We'll put it yeah, that way. it was just—it <laughs> was really funny just to see the split <laughs> in the room uh, because because everybody else was really excited, and you and I, like the designated hockey guys, yeah, not to take away from the hockey fandom of the other people, but you know the the quote unquote hockey guys were standing there like. Mm, I don't know about this. But, I mean, after that WJC goal for Canada to open things up, I guess, where that puck yeah. went in well after the clock read zero yeah. and it counted, I don't even know. Yeah, we made we made too much of it at that point. I guess, but yeah, it was an absolute blast to be at the bar. One of my favorite moments was uh, our last watch party against the Kings before the bar, which... Oh, that's fun. Uh, I wish it could have been at the DNVR bar, but and honestly, the game was terrible. Uh, not an exciting hockey game at all until the very end where it came down to the shootout. But just having that many people supporting us and, and coming out and just having a good time watching Avalanche hockey, I thought was amazing. It Stuff like that is what got me so hyped for our bar and really disappointed that we couldn't have a a packed house properly for anything this year, but hopefully sometime sooner rather than later, we can do that. Uh, so can't wait for that. Um, yeah. The rest of the Av season though was honestly just a bunch of fun top to bottom. Anytime it felt like the Avs were, were in a rut or struggling or something, they would always have an answer from, from start of the season to the end of the season. We've, we talked about December and January a bunch of times where the Avs had goaltending issues. And then you look and compare December and January to 2019's December and January. Well, 2018, 19. Yeah. And it, it wasn't even close. Like the Avs were a 500 team through their 
December, January lull, which was infinitely better than the year before. Yeah, the uh, year before they had lost, they gave up their playoff position. Yep. The, that was where they had thrown it away and it put them back on the outside having to chase down another playoff spot. You remember last year, they finished two points with one game in hand. They had, they finished two points out of the top spot in the West. So even when it was happening last year, we were talking about, look, this is not the same. Yep. And it's not, and, and it's not like, Jared Bednar is coaching them to this, which was the other thing. Like, oh, Jared Bednar needs to be fired because he can't coach in December. What? Yo, I would. That's a good deal. All right. You go make a deal with a genie and you'd be like, look, I'm not allowed to coach well in December, but I win a Stanley Cup. You take that deal every single time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I, definitely a weird take that one or two months out of the year, Bednar just forgets how to coach. Yeah, he can't. He can't quote unquote right the ship. <laughs> and it's just like well, I try and oh, like we try and talk about how every good team goes through like lulls. Yep, every cup contending team has has that stretch where they go through just doesn't go well. It, it happens to every team. It's going to happen this year too. People are going to overreact. That's what we're for. Yep. Indeed. Shout out Jesse for the 30 goals from Burakovsky hot take. Definitely the best hot take at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, the closest one to correct, I think. But I was 48 games shy of my Connor Timmons prediction. Nearly had it. Nearly had it. <laughs> we're going to count the playoffs. What, 47 games shy? 46, I think. 46, but, yeah, he, yeah. Right. he did get in that second game. He's got hurt real quick. He did play in it, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Dang it. So it was just a blast of a year. Anytime the Avs felt like they had a downswing, they always had a counterpunch to come back. Even in the playoffs, they lose one game to Darcy Kemper, and then they destroy Arizona 7-1 to twice. They go down against Dallas 2-0. They manage to win a game. Then they go down 3-1, and they blast them for two straight games to force a game seven. Obviously came up a little bit short there, but it felt like the rise of the team that everybody thought the Avalanche could be. And that leads us into this year, which is the Avs are no longer the could be good. They are the team that everyone wants to be to a certain extent. Yep. I mean, we've talked about this a lot in the last two weeks, especially of the contenders out, uh, quote unquote, out West. They're the most bulletproof. Yep. You know, that doesn't guarantee them anything, but a lot of building a team is guarding against failure, protecting yourself against the inevitable failure of some aspect of your roster. You, it, It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be fully done can't all you you can't do everything there's only so far you can get uh and you have to take chances somewhere salary cap guarantees that you have to take a chance somewhere at some position yeah the ads have done that but for for as much as we talk about oh well there's this big question mark or that big question mark or you know whatever the ads really just don't have as much of that yeah they're they're big question marks don't 
feel that big. There are certainly questions. We'll get into those in a minute with their New Year's resolutions. But you're not staring at this roster in even in goal, where arguably the biggest question is on whether Grubauer can solidify himself. That's not a question of like, what are we going to get out of this guy? You know, he's a solid goaltender. It's just a matter of how high the ceiling is. Yeah. The fact that he wasn't, he wasn't ranked in the NHL.com's top 16 was stupid. Yeah. I, I don't know what, when you're putting a goaltender that had a sub 900 save percentage this year in the top 16, I mean, what can you do? Yeah. I mean, Braden Holtby, Braden Holtby hasn't been good in three years and that's good enough for 16th best. Okay. Whatever you say, NHL. Yeah. Whatever you say. I, but, you know, we don't we don't care too much about those, that that kind of thing because those sure. lists, like, we're we're a we're a group of people that has to make a list like that every once in a while. And they're very hard to do. They're very easy to criticize. But that was dumb. Definitely true. I, we don't have a. Uh, Big Z here in Colorado anymore to tell us what NHL.com is, but you know, I'm sure he's he's thinking about it in Chicago now. So true, <laughs> true. <laughs> we could take our second period break there, as I let you guys know about Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD infused coffee that has really changed lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can order and get 20% off online when you use code DNVR20 at checkout, or you can get 20% off every single time you buy when you sign up for their subscription service of two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. It's been known to help with many different aches and pains, including IBS, migraines many other things as well. So now is a great time to give it a try. Something new to ring in the new year with StravaCraftCoffee.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ just released a new article today looking at some New Year's revolutions for the Colorado Avalanche. If you haven't checked it out on the DNVR.com, go check it out bunch of good stuff from aj over there as always highly recommend it for the most part it's taking a look at the avalanche weaknesses and you know as we as we mentioned it's not like we're sitting here ripping apart obvious things that are a problem with the abs you do have to start nitpicking a little bit uh yeah when you start talking about third goaltenders Third line centers. <laughs> yeah. Um, your number one question is health, which is just a totally random thing, anyway. Like, yeah. New Year's revolu- resolution of please stay healthy is, yeah. is high on the list for sure. Yep. I uh, I believe I called it eat weedies, drink milk. You need strong bones. There you go. Av's got to take a page out of Lando Norris's book and drink a blood bunch of milk. Yep. So, well, it's one of those things where you just roll with the punches, right? But you have to think it would be difficult for the Avs to be more injured than they were last year. Right. 100%. So, especially because like, <clears throat> I see a lot of people being like, oh, if it happens again, you have to fire the strength and conditioning coach. And it's like strength and conditioning coach isn't, isn't responsible for Jonas Donskoy getting his 
you know, his, his head caved in multiple times. Yep. As, as the year went on, you know, not responsible for Eric Johnson going hard in the end boards and hurting his knee. It's not responsible for Gabe Landeskog having Kale McCarr's skate come down and cut him on the leg. Yep. What's well, the strength and conditioning coach going to do against that? You know, they're just freaking things. Like, yep. it, it wasn't, you know, Ian Cole running into Philip Grubauer in a stadium series game. You know, like, what are these guys? What are these guys gonna do to protect against that? I mean, these are just freak things that happen. I mean, it's just stuff that happens. Miko Ranton in toe picks and hurts his ankle and is and is out for two months. You know, like it's yep. It's just weird, weird freak things all the way around that you just do your best to avoid and you deal with the ones that you have to deal with and. Hopefully the Avs got a little bit of good juju coming into this year, dealing with so many last year. Yeah. Well, and we, you know, you look at two years ago, three years ago now, when they had the postseason series against Nashville, they, we, we kind of said something similar. It was like, oh, we, you know, they've earned some good luck this next year. They had relative good health in the postseason the year after. So, you know, as long as they have it this year. Let it ride, baby. There you go. Let it ride all the way to the Stanley Cup. Um, Abs have easy, easy top 10 e-bug confirmed. You sure? No. Uh, Ask again when they claim a goalie off waivers. Yeah, ask again when we know who it is. (laughs) Right now, I think they're default 31st because it's just a question mark. Uh, mm, There are some teams out there that don't even have a a good backup yet, let alone an e-bug. <laughs> so, I don't know if they're 31st, but maybe 27th is pretty accurate. Maybe Patrick's done his research. Sometimes sometimes I get references, Ebrif, alright? Hard to believe that I do occasionally do other things than, than talk about hockey, but it does happen. Yeah, play WoW and watch anime. Yeah, there's not a long list of things, but... <laughs> it is a list, it just yeah. isn't extensive. F1 happens to be on it occasionally, it's just one of the things. Legitimate question, what does an opposing club do to slow this team down? Do you have to muck it up? Do you try to skate with them? You do not skate with them. Yeah, they you will skate you in the dirt, for them. sure. Because the last thing that you do with one of arguably the most talented teams in the NHL is play the way they want. You know, I don't, I don't think that it's, I don't, I don't necessarily think that getting overly physical with them is the answer. I think however you accomplish it, whatever the goal is, whatever the plan is, it's to limit them in transition. Well, this is, do not let them get transition scoring chances. If they do not get transition, anything, they the abs will struggle a lot more. They will absolutely struggle more. When teams, you know, when when people talk about, oh well, St. Louis and Dallas and Vegas give them fits. First of all, Vegas doesn't give them any fits. Um, Dallas really, that's how they play with everybody. It's not like they have the the elixir, you know, the special sauce. We're slowing them down, and St. Louis is just a world-class team at playing exactly the style they want. It's very hard to break them out of it, but the abs did it a couple of times last year. 
And we saw what happened. You know, big time wins in Pepsi Center was Colorado St. Louis playing Colorado's way. St. Louis grinding the abs into the dirt in St. Louis was the series going back to the Blues way. So I would say that it's not so much physicality as it is teams that limit transition, teams that limit however you, however they want to do it, whatever it is. We saw the Islanders were good at it too against yep. the Avs last season. Um, just don't let them get out and, and run up and down the ice. If you try and play into that, we saw it with Chicago. The, the Avs should have swept the Chicago series. Were it not for a totally inexplicable seven-minute meltdown in the third period of their last matchup, the Avs would have swept Chicago easily and because that was a team that wanted to trade chances. That they, they were happy to do it, and Colorado loved playing right into that. I think you're, you're kind of on to the track of one of my resolutions for the Avs this year, and that is to impose their will more consistently. Yep. As you mentioned, they're capable of doing it. We saw games where they did it against the Blues. We saw the game against Nashville where after Duchesne scored, the Avs just wouldn't take no for an answer. But the best teams are often able to do that, maybe not every single night, but pretty darn close, play the way that they want to play and force teams to react to them. Well, and we saw plenty of that. You know, if you look at if you look at this, the Avs were arguably the second best team in the postseason last last year at limiting quality chances against. Yep, they're very at five on five. They they're exceptional. They're sure. probably the best team in the league at five on five in terms of uh, the ability to generate and limit quality. They're so good at it, but they what where they separate themselves from some of these like process monsters. You know, you look at a team like Carolina, which fifty six percent, you know, Corsi four or whatever, and they're above fifty and all the other stuff. They don't have the talent to capitalize on that. They could play into that process at a really high level, but they don't have the guys to bring it home. Colorado is a healthy mix of these guys where the process is really good, but why is their PDO a little bit high every year? Because they have the talent to outshoot some teams. Yep. When you have finishing talent, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can't get so caught up in finding the play drivers that you, you forget that you need guys to put pucks in the net at the other end. You can, possess the puck 99% of the time, but it doesn't matter if you never hit the net. Yeah. So, and that's, I think that's where, that's where Colorado represents a unique problem is that they're not the only team that can control the puck and to get up and down the ice and, and to, to create the majority of chances, but between their shooting talent and their ability to, to out process you, there's a reason that they are just so, so good. Yep. They, and that's they, it. And slowing them down is you have to, you have to, it starts in transition with slowing Colorado down because that's where they feast on teams. And the thing is they do everything well now. It, it's hard to look at Colorado's lineup and go, oh, they really struggle at this. Yeah, certainly slowing them down will make them weaker in transition, but We've seen 
the Avs improved significantly in their in their offensive zone setup and offense, at least at five on five, to where they have the players to be threatening, the players that are willing to do the dirty work to win board battles, to cause a little bit of havoc down in deep. And, and even things like Nathan McKinnon figuring out how to score from the outside. It, it's not like it's free once you've limited the Avs transition. Yeah. They can, so. they can, they can still grind. We, they can still cycle on you. They can still grind it out. They were one of the best teams actually in the postseason last year at um, creating scoring chances in the home plate area off of the cycle. So, you know, you slow down transition, and then they're still really good at that. That's a problem. So that's they they deal they they. Colorado, they're just really good, man. I mean, that's what it is. They're just really good. And it's not, they're really good at this one particular thing. Like Dallas, the Islanders, they're really good at playing 2-1 games. Yep. They're really good at limiting, um, limiting opposing teams. To- they have, have that versatility uh, comparatively, right? The Islanders want to win every single game the same way. The Avs yep. have a game plan in the way they want to win, but they're capable of winning no matter what you throw at them. Yeah, and the thing is, is if you're not playing well, they will knock you out early. Yep. They were the best second-period team in the NHL last year by a country mile because if they if, if they sensed weakness out of the first period, they pounced. And then some of their problem in the third period, I think, last year was that they were too comfortable in games where they were leading. They didn't spend very much time coming from behind, which, hey, that's what good teams do. Yep. Good teams don't spend a lot of time trailing. That's just how it is. This year, they're going to, they're, they're one thing that they, one of the things that they will have to do differently, they have to come back on teams better. They, they only had they, one comeback win, right? Or one third yeah. period comeback win in the regular season. So, yep. Tied with Detroit. Not a team you want to be tied with ever. <laughs> yeah, when you consider that they won like 12 games last year, <laughs> one of them being in that fashion, it's crazy. You know, where Colorado was was scary last year was just that they, uh, I lost track of it, but they had as many five, at one point they had as many five plus goal games as they did games entering the third period trailing. Yep. I think by the end of the year, the games that they ended up uh, trailing going into the third period ended up pulling ahead by one or two games, but that's insane. Yeah. They're, it was like, I think it was every fifth or sixth game. If you spread it out across the season that the abs would score six goals or something like that. So yeah. they're, they're five plus they, they scored five plus games. And I think uh, 14 games last year Yeah, out of 72. So pretty good. That's a lot. That's a lot of five-plus goal games. Uh, Andrew asks, if both goalies struggle out of the gate, whether it's injury or just poor play, how long is the proverbial leash? We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks as we get into training camp and and yeah. start previewing next season properly. Happy New Year, Mom. Good to see you. Uh, vaguely Sober gets into the last topic I want to talk about because for old time's sake, one more time in 2020 have the Colorado Avalanche power play conversation. You put it in your New Year's resolution 
article, AJ, I think we've we've said many times we don't think the Av special teams are that bad, but there's the potential for greatness there. Right. I think the frustration is that when you look at the power play, it finished 19th in the regular season. Yep. That's not good enough by anybody's standards. Like none of us are going to sit here and pretend like that's okay. Um, but you also consider that one more goal. And they're in their 15th. Per- yeah. Their percentage is good enough to make them 14th. Yeah. 14th, 15th. We are just like, okay, two more goals on the season, two more power play goals. And now they're 11th. And it's like, how do you feel about them? How do you feel about them? Yeah. You know, they're, it's certainly a long way between 19% where they finished and whatever Edmonton was at the top of the league pushing 30. Yep. There's a big gap there. No doubt. <clears throat> and they, the problem, the problem is, and the frustration is, is that it should be elite. It yep. should be a killer power play. They have so much talent. They've got so much talent that they whoop your ass at five on five. Why are they struggling at five on four? It doesn't make it does it just doesn't, doesn't make any add sense. Up. Yep, doesn't um, add up. I, you know, we could go back and we could go through every power play and we can try and we could separate this is coaching and this is player. Because there are absolutely things that they are not being coached to do where they get out there and they're just way too tentative. Yep. You know, that it's it's crazy because when you go and you watch them practice a power play at, um during practice or a morning skate. That's not how the power play operates. They operate with urgency. They play at a pace. The coaches are screaming at them. If they play too slowly, they stop the drill. And Bedner freaks out and he yells at people. Or in some cases, McKinnon does it for him because he's shouting at whoever's on the top unit that normally isn't because they're filling in for a day. And they're not playing fast enough for his liking. That's before and then you get it into a game. Into the, the stands. Yeah, well, dude, he's there's there's probably still a stick. Uh, like like nine rows up in T-Mobile Center. There you go. (laughs) Um, Like I've seen, I've seen McKinnon just undress teammates. Yep. Uh, Throw sticks, shout at people, like give them the death glare, everything, right? I mean, he's, they're trying to, but they're, they're during practice. It, it's a sense of urgency that they're trying to accomplish um playing with pace it's something that they're constantly preaching is playing with pace and then in the game power play starts and sometimes it has it and sometimes it doesn't yeah i i i I don't know i don't know where the disconnect is there i don't know where i i i I mean i think i don't know what the antidote is i think you bring up a good point because I think we're trying to ask for an antidote for a series of different maladies, right? Like you said, sometimes it's the coaching. I, I've been pretty vocal about how much I do not like the bumper position as a thing. Um, it's borderline useless. Yeah. It, the, even like the best use of the bumper is Nazem Kadri because he just skates around and does isn't really a bumper. But uh, the... But that's a coaching thing. The stagnant power play is not a coaching thing. It's the Avs just not moving their feet. Sometimes we see the the classic, what I remember from the Avs Golden there, they had the same problem on the power play where the team's just trying to be too perfect. They're looking for the pretty goal instead of just getting the job yeah. done. It's just so many different factors. Yeah. It's the double-edged sword because they try and make plays that other players won't. 
and it'll drive you crazy yep. when it fails. Now, when it works, you're like, boy, it's a, what an advantage it is to have world-class players. <laughs> yep. But when you've, when you've got Kale McCarr running a power play and you've got Miko Rantanen and Nate McKinnon on the flanks, you shouldn't struggle. You have a you have one of the best in the league at tipping pucks in front of the net in Landeskog. Yep. And then you have you have the ultimate pigeon there in, in Nazem Kadri, who's good and physical, and he just he's he's really I mean he scored like six power play goals in the postseason. Yep. Just almost by all of them. Stuff coming, home. Yeah. yeah, just smacking at pucks in front of the net. <laughs> you just winning a battle in front because that's how it is. Yep. I, you know, it's. There's just a lot of different things to it. There's so many different elements. My my big thing is their use of Nate McKinnon. It's too predictable. When they were being really effective early on in the round robin and the postseason against Arizona, Nathan McKinnon was moving around the formation a lot. And yeah. teams are setting up their PKs to stop that cat. Well, and it- so if that guy's all over the ice, they're they're constantly having to adjust to him. Or they're leaving something open, and the Avs are able to exploit that consistently until they stop doing it. And if nothing else, it forces them out of that stagnation, right? Because the power, let's be real, the power play is mostly built around McKinnon. And when he's moving, that forces everyone else on the ice to move. Well, yeah, because for all the things that Nathan McKinnon is, he's not a turret. Yep. He's not the guy to set up shop and bomb away one timers. He does it occasionally. But it's just, it's not been something that he's made a name for himself for. He's worked on it. It's gotten better. He'll continue to work on it, I believe, because he knows that that's a weak spot in his game. But it's just not where he is. Like, Miko Rantanen, just naturally more gifted at doing that exact thing. The far better one-timer of the two is Miko's, yeah. Yeah, and also, you know... I they just need to I think they just need to to play into the strength that look Nathan McKinnon is an elite talent but he's a not your traditional set this guy up for the one timer goal scorer. I mean he scored like five goals last year on weak little wristers from the point. Yeah. Because it's got great accuracy, it's got great deception and they create a lot of traffic in front of the net when he does it. It's not something that other teams do a lot of. Like, that's why it's successful. Because teams don't, you know, they don't live and die by stopping that one thing. They're not ready for it. What makes Alex Ovechkin so remarkable is the fact that he's as effective as he is when everybody in the world knows what's coming. Yep. Well, he has that kind of shot. Nathan McKinnon just doesn't. He doesn't have that kind of shot. The guy shoots like 11%, and most of his goals come on wristers. It, yep. asking him to do that on the power play is asking him to be somebody that he's not. And it drives me crazy. It, the the power play should 100% revolve around setting up Ranton in for one-timers and using McKinnon to move around. His mobility is elite. Use that. I, Abuse it, that space. It's not... And it's only getting better, too. You throw Kale McCarr into that mix, and you have... Yeah. Between McKinnon and McCarr on the blue line, McKinnon the high forward, whatever you want to call it, um, the the amount of puck moving and feet moving capability between those two, no power play or no penalty kill rather should ever be able to keep up with those two. 
there should always be holes open that they're either getting into or sending pucks through. Honestly, we're at the point where as much as I've been against it over the years, I wouldn't mind if they wanted to play Makar as more of a rover type on the power yeah. play and let him create let a lot more. Be up high a little bit and let Makar well, do crazy stuff. Have have McKinnon moving around and then have that flexibility and have Sam Gerard distribute. There you go. He runs a really good power play. He he's really effective. He's not as, a shooter. Yeah, as long as you're not asking him to shoot, it works. Yeah, like you're not you're not gonna get more than five goals out of the year from him. Um you just you let him distribute and you move Makar around again. You have elite mobility and so much of your power play is standing still. You're taking away one of your greatest strengths. And to me, it just seems like, you know what? Come up with something unconventional. I'm not the coach. That guy is. It's his job on the line. Play to your play to your talent. You know, he's not in St. Louis anymore where he had Vladimir Tarasenko to just set up for one-timers and, and to had Alex Petrangelo up top where he could do all of that. Makar is a different guy. He had, he, you know, he scored 12 goals last year, but a lot of those goals are him cutting into close to the net. Not a lot from the point. There's not a lot of goals from a lot of, lot, not a lot of points of him just throwing pucks at the net from the point on the yep. power play. It's just not really how he works. It's not, it's not something he's great at. That's okay. Stop building, stop building your special team unit around things that guys aren't great at. You know, <laughs> like you have elite talent play into the the things that that makes them such it's it just it's frustrating and the pk i have no idea i think it needs a complete overhaul um maybe they get it i doubt it i just it drive i don't even know what to do with the pk yeah. just hope yeah. it's not too bad i mean we don't have to get into this conversation but like from even just from a personnel usage We've had the JT Comfort conversation there a, a dozen times. He's bad on the PK, man. <laughs> He's so. bad on the PK. You have a whole analytics department that can look at this and break it all down and say, yeah. This is not working. Yeah, This guy gets lit up on the PK. Stop using him. Yep. More Tyson Jost. On that note, we can move into our final thoughts here, AJ, as... I don't know if you have any resolutions you want to share or, or anything no, like that. I don't do. It's funny. I did resolutions for the ads. I don't do resolutions. For yeah. Me. I don't really either, to be honest. They're not, they're not really my thing. I'm awesome. And my road to self-improvement is a daily process. There you go. Like the words. I feel like I do this every couple of months on this show, but I'm going to throw out another thank you to everybody out there. Um, I know 2020 wasn't a great year many 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 people and i feel for them but outside of you know all of the panic and, and national awfulness for me personally it was a very good year thanks to you aj and dnvr and all of you people that watch our shows that that came out to the bar at times and and the abs themselves helped make this a very good year for me so i would just like to say thank you to everybody one more time I'm sure I'll be saying thank you in all of 2021 as well, but we wouldn't be here without it's, all y'all out there. It's been, it's been a great time, honestly. Um, this last season, getting ready to cover another season. 
it feels like the podcast found a whole different level. It found a whole new audience. We have a new home on YouTube that's that's working out great for us. Yep. Um, we're as interactive as ever. We're as multimedia, multidimensional as ever. We're just going to continue to lean into that. We do a lot of different things at DNVR, and nobody really covers Colorado sports quite the way that we do. And yep. we like that. That's something that we're proud of. That's something we strive to do. Um, and honestly, we we love we love that you guys care as much as you do. We love that our comments are full of people with different ideas about how to how to fix a power play. You know, everybody's got their own theories, and I think the fact that that a lot of our comments can't even agree with each other goes to tell you that it's a complex issue. But it's fun. It's fun to delve into, and it's fun to it's fun to get in with people who care. And I I always you know. You're not going to find anybody that cares like we do. Yep. I 100% agree with that statement. On that note, if you want to support us, liking this video, subscribing on YouTube is a huge way to do it. And of course, going to thednvr.com and signing up for a subscription there. Appreciate y'all one last time. Um, excited for the new year. Excited for the new content that I believe starts for us tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled on YouTube for uh, an avalanche of Avs content coming from DNVR in the next two weeks, I suppose, as that we're talking about opening night two weeks from now. So thank you one last time, and we are out of here for the day. We'll get on out of here with Breckenridge Brewery. Go get yourself one for New Year's Eve to sip on when the ball drops. Enjoy it. Drink. Have fun. Be merry. All of those things. We're gone tomorrow, enjoying hangover day, but we will talk to you guys again on Monday.